Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, and, 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 and I was, I'm really fine. Because I resisted the temptation to call you this morning, Nia, <laughs> on a landline. Okay. Do you have a landline? I do not. Have a okay. So, the, so the, the temptation there wasn't so strong. It wasn't so strong. Uh, and, but, and by the way, for our younger listeners, if you're not familiar uh, with the term landline, Nia, <laughs> what is a landline? A landline is a piece of copper wire that goes from some mystical place that I'm not entirely certain into your house and brings phone calls into your house. And back in the day, AT&T was the monopoly. Yes. No, Ma Bell. Ma Bell. Ma Bell was the monopoly on landlines. Everybody had a A a Bell telephone in their house. And my grandma's was the kind that had the dial where you would you would dial it around in a circle, a half circle, and it would go. So you're talking about the rotary dial phone. Yes. yes. Okay. And then they got the push button kind. Oh, that 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 was that a, was like. Oh my goodness. Oh, we're okay. in, we're living in the future. Okay. We're living and, in the Jetson era. And, and I recall once we got the 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 push dial. Then we even got a phone that we um, physically uh, put on the wall instead of uh, actually having it on the it table. On the table. That's right? right. So you could get rid of the table, the telephone table, the table. which, by the way, had been in existence for a hundred years. Because <laughs> yes, right. that's where. Okay, so wait. We should start by saying for those listeners who don't know, a landline also, when they first were put in, were shared. Yes. So most of the time, you would call a building. Yes. And like, let's say you lived in a tenement in New York, there would be one phone. And so somebody would answer the phone and go find the person in their apartment, bring them down to the telephone, and you could have a brief telephone call. And it was, by the way, terrible noise, like, yes, you barely understand. And there were operators. So what Augie would do is he would call an operator and he would say, I would like you to connect me to Nia at. 4186, whatever my number was. And and it wasn't a big, long digit. It was just, you know, because it really mostly was within cities. And the operator would say, how plays? And she would and she would connect his call, but she would get somebody onto the phone who would then go get me. And I would get on the phone and she would say, okay, you can talk. Now, she could not listen but if she didn't have any calls coming through, she might very well listen to our conversation. Yes. Because so, operators did that on the regular and it wasn't. So the quality of the reception was usually terrible. It was a laborious process to make our you know initial phone calls. And in terms and of no privacy, privacy, and there was no privacy, <laughs> right? Okay. None. Okay. None. Um, and, and, and so it, then it went into people's houses, and then you're like, oh, you just call them directly. And that was like a miracle, right? Yeah. You oh, didn't yeah. have to go through an operator. You could call somebody directly, and then you could call into their house. And 
then it was just you and them and theoretically just you and them in the FBI. Um, <laughs> I, I, I kid. Uh, they had to get wiretapping. And when we talk about wiretapping, what we're talking about is those copper wires. Wires, that's right. And, and, and thus, you know. But the- what's great is when the power went out, those bad boys still worked. Yes, because they were self-powered. Yeah, they were self-powered. They were, you know, not uh, uh, necessarily connected, you know, to the ele- electricity. To the main electrical grid. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So um, people would call you and say, "My power's off. Is your power off?" Uh, Which it, now, it, if your power's off and the cell towers come down, you're not calling anybody to tell them yes. that the cell towers are coming down. And if if you've not uh, charged up your cell phone and then the power goes out, toast. Okay. Okay, then you have that that moment of panic, Nia, where you're looking at your <laughs> cell phone and you see what percentage is left exactly. on your battery. And then you turn it off to try you to save it. Save it, right? <laughs> and, 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 and I do the same thing in regards to my laptop and and other, you know, you know, my daughter's tablet. You and know, other battery driven. Yeah, yep. right. You're just like, oh man, I should have gone ahead and charged this up before the thunderstorm hit. Uh, listeners, why does this matter though? For politics, well, why does it matter for government? Okay, um, and well, and this is uh, 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 this gets to the reason why we're doing this particular episode. Um, uh, earlier this year, um, uh, uh, one of us was perusing the newspaper, and there was an article, I think, in the Washington Post um, that that had the title of "Barely a Quarter of Americans Still Have Landlines." Who are they? Now, uh, listeners. Neither Nia or I have a landline. However, um, my both mother. Both our moms do. <laughs> yes, both of our moms do. And right? have had since, since God was a boy. Well, yes, right? since like the since, dawn of time. Right? Since the dawn of time. You know, there was you know, the big when, bang and then there were telephones. Phones, like you, the, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, Eve reached out to Adam and said, hey, would you like a bite of the apple? And, and, and Adam said, no, I'm sorry. on hold. I'll be and with I'm you on, in a second. In a second right? <laughs> Okay, so I shared the article with Nia, and Nia and I were like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! There's something really fascinating here." Right, for, we were intrigued in, by the the um, demographics. We were intrigued involved intrigued, in this. Intrigued by the demographics, but we were also intrigued by the fact that there is a government agency that tracks this, right? And Nia, what? what There's is, actually more than one. It's more than one. It's actually a really good example of government agencies cooperating with one Inter-agency another. Interagency sort of stuff. Phone yeah. usage is tracked by the National Health Interview Survey. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, listeners, if you didn't know of this survey, we think you're in good company because neither Nia or I were familiar. Nia, were you familiar with the survey? No. No. I- I knew that health statistics came from somewhere (laughs) because I used them from the CDC, which is the mother organization under which the National Center for Health Statistics works. But I did not know about the sub-agency. I just knew knew that it was some sort of mystical and ta-da, the CDC has health statistics. But now I know who who does the actual surveying. And this is the Centers for Disease Control. So oh, thank you. Right, well, right. I mean, but hey, I'm I mean, dropping an acronym there. Yeah, well, you know, hey, we watch we, the acronyms. Hey, we we <laughs> we love our acronyms on this yeah. podcast. But don't right? just leave them laying around. Somebody <laughs> might trip. 
That that's right. That's why you need to go <laughs> ahead first usage. Always say what the what you know the words are. That's right. They, they, you know this. this so is Center for Disease Con- Control (parentheses CDC) CDC. <laughs> is how that should appear, and we yes. should just do that verbally. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, okay. So they. they but they the have... thing they they track they don't just they don't just track phone they track phone usage. usage. Yes. They don't really necessarily track phone like the type of phone ownership. Like they don't ask you, would that be a landline or a cell phone? What they ask you is how many hours per week do you use the telephone, right? Like, because what they're trying to get at is it, uh, the reason well, they, it started. They, 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 the, the reason why it started was um, uh, the, the National Center for Health Statistics, the NCHS, okay, were really concerned when this new invention occurred, the, and the new invention was the mobile phone, the yep. cellular phone, because they did all of their surveys because by, what? they called up people on their landlines. Right. And they were concerned that they would no longer be able to, to survey Americans in regards to all kinds of medical knowledge, right? Right, because you know, cell phones, you can opt out of having be part of a national call list, okay, and most right. people did. Remember yes. that, Augie, when we went onto the big list and put in our cell phone number and was like, don't call me. Yeah, because we don't want to be robocalled for all kinds of things. Oh, my gosh, during election season when you get no, 956,000 yeah. robocalls. And also remember that cell phones came – to their fruition when Generation X were the people buying cell phones, and we don't want to talk to anybody. Anybody. We're, we're like, it's amazing that we got together and had children with other people because we are very much loners. So yeah. as soon as it became available for us to have a cell phone, which meant that we could be in touch if we emergency had to, but we didn't have to be at home and we didn't have to answer a phone. And they used to come up with a number so you could ignore them. We were like, this is our, this is our heaven. This is, yeah, this, this is great for us. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were screening your calls. I'm like, of course I was screening my calls. I <laughs> saw, <Gen> X. <laughs> I saw your number. Okay. On I didn't my, want to talk to you. <laughs> I didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> People but also be- they were worried about. So back in the day, Cell phones were not as um, – they were not built the same way they are built now. And at the beginning, I think people were also worried about things like radiation and, and – Did they cause cancer? Right. Said, there was yeah, all this said, stuff, yes. right, with cell phones. And some people still worry about that. We're not saying that those people have – have no reason to be concerned but really what they should be worried about is the number of people who stare at screens for you know hours at a time and walk into traffic and get hit or yeah yeah six or seven hours out of the train okay i mean because platforms or whatever i mean because every week my cell phone goes ahead and sends me a message and compares my cell cell phone usage for the most recent week to my previous averages right um, and my daughter has, has seen that pop up on my cell phone, and she was just like, so, Daddy, you just don't ignore my text messages. You basically pretty much, like, ignore everybody's text messages. <laughs> you're you like, know? yep, <laughs> you're, you're not you're, special, little girl. Yeah, I'm just like, you know, hey, unless you, you know, the, the message starts off with, you know, this is an emergency, eh, I might or might not click over, right? 
But I mean, I really am fascinated by why they were concerned because they wanted access to this information. And this is really important information, folks, right? Because this is information about uh, rates of um, immunization, risky behavior, healthcare use, chronic conditions, and, you know, and they would call people on their landlines. Okay. And, and if you don't have a landline and you're not answering a cell phone, how do they get a representative sample? That's right. Because you can't go ahead and make predictions about what the government may want to focus on in regards to health care in the United States if people are not responding and you don't have a representative sample. Because let's just face it, if the only people you get in a phone survey, okay, are 18 to 25-year-olds, you know, the infamous young healthies, according to the, you know, health insurance uh, uh, companies, well, that's not a representative sample of the fact that the United States is graying, has more chronic conditions as the population gets older, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and has more chronic conditions in general. general. Our young people yeah. are also yeah, struggling right? with some it, chronic conditions. But I want to, I want Augie to address, or rather, I want to bring up something and have Augie talk to us about it. Dewey beats Truman. Yes. That was that not a surveying mistake of yes. yeah. landlines? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, when uh, we started doing political polling in the United States, um, they used uh, uh, they did phone surveys. Right. Um, um, and there were a couple notable examples in the 1930s and the 1940s. Right. So when FDR ran for reelection in 1936, um, uh, some of the polls suggested that he would lose. OK, but oh, he won. Okay. But he won in a landslide. And the reason why they figured out was they would call people, okay, during the daytime, okay, and ask who were they more likely to vote for, right? Well, the problem was, okay, many Americans in 1935 and 1936 um, lost their homes. So, Oh, the Depression. Oh, okay, the Depression. And the only people who were actually home during the day answering their phones were typically the wives of really rich Americans, many of whom were very supportive of the Republican Party and the Republican Party candidate and not this, you know, you know, you know, Democratic, you know, reformer, et cetera, et cetera. But likewise, with Truman running for um uh, uh, re uh, re-election in 1948. His uh, his opponent uh, was Dewey, right? Again, most of the surveys were phone surveys, and it didn't capture all of those Americans who, you know, weren't answering their phones during the daytime because they were working. Okay, they were out in the fields, right? We still had a significant farm population in the late 1940s, okay, et cetera, et cetera. So going into the election, okay, um, the assumption was it would be a close race, but Truman would lose, all right? And, Even, and that headline was posted on the uh, New York Times, times, I think. Uh, uh, a it number was a major newspaper, newspaper, right, which yeah. is Dewey defeats Truman, and yeah. he's – 
and Truman's holding up in the famous picture, he's holding up that headline after next, he's won the election. Yeah, the next day when the results are finally in, and Truman was just like, you know, psych. You know, I lost, right? So we've learned a lot about polling. And in me and I've talked about this in previous podcast episodes. Yes, of recent vintage, there have been problems um, in regards to pre-election polls, uh, polling. But one of the major problems of the 1930s and 40s has been addressed, which is, okay, if you're going to rely on phone surveys, okay, um, you need to make sure you truly do have a representative sample. Okay. And so one of the ways that they've that they've dealt with that, right, is to yeah. also have in person. Yeah. In person people. I was what I was about to say. I don't know how you'd be an in person not person, but anyway. <laughs> um and and that's kind of an interesting thing to me, right? Is that one of the things they've they've done since what the 1950s or so? Yeah, they you actually have people do in-person surveys, right? And the, yeah. most and most government agencies do this. Um, Nia, you and I have talked about this in regards to the census, right? right? So um, uh, the, the census has a, a, a two-step process to count all Americans, right? The first step is they send out, okay, the census form, okay, um, and they use tax records to do that, right? You know, so when you submit your annual tax return, you give an address. That is one of the few pieces of information that the IRS will actually share with other government agencies, right? right. Okay. Um, and this also can get be verified with the Social Security Administration because a significant number of Americans get Social Security and disability checks. So the census uses that information to send out, okay, the census form. Now, most of us get the short form, right? But a certain percentage gets the longer form. Now, the the response rate to the longer form is poor, which forces census to hire a whole bunch of Americans. I and mean, by the way, I've done this work, right? Okay. When I was a grad student, I made extra money by being a census enumerator. Okay. That's right, what they call it. Which means you walk out to the door. Hi, I was wondering if I could answer a few, ask you a few questions for the census. Yes. Right. And in the reason why Nia is bringing this up is that uh, the NCHS, okay, relies also upon, okay, in-person surveys, right? And they had, sort of make help build, help bridge the gap. Bridge the gap, particularly and give you a, a more um, uh, holistic view, representative, yeah, yeah, representative sample. Yeah. But one of the reasons why they had to do this, Nia, is that landlines, okay, the number the number of American households with landlines began to shrink dramatically, right? How what's many? The, what's what, the percentage of American adults that live in a household without a landline? Uh, 73% of American adults lived in a household without a landline at the end of 2022. 73%, right? Right. So, 
So See, first of all, you got to figure out who the 27% is. Yes. And yes. then you have to try to, if you're, if you want a representative survey, then you have to try to find more of those, mm-hmm. like, sorry, you have to balance those numbers in some way. Yeah, because you don't want to go ahead and exclude key subpopulations when you're trying to find out, okay, the state of, if you will, American health, right? Right. Right. And and that should be noted for the record. These people are specifically coming to ask health questions. They are not coming to ask immigration questions. No, 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 no. They are not coming to ask legal questions. Like they don't want to know, have you ever been in trouble with the law? Have you ever been blah, blah, blah? They don't want any of that. They don't want other demographic information. They are coming to ask about your health. And there are uh, 800 or so, I think. People who work for the yes. bureau, who, or sorry, who work for the NCHS, who yes. work for this survey, mm-hmm. who sort of go around the nation knocking on doors and saying, Hi, can I ask you about your health? And in the process, if for some reason that happens at your door, it would be really helpful if you just yeah. went ahead and answered the questions. questions yeah, because there's not a lot of them. They don't ask a lot. Oh, no. Okay. It's not a hugely long survey, but it is useful because it, it helps us track changes over time of anxiety levels in the country, of illness levels in the country, of all kinds of stuff like that. And then this allows the federal government then to go ahead and compare it to the data that's reported by hospitals and health insurance companies, okay, to improve accuracy, right? right. And to improve services. Versus, that's right. If we okay. know that there's a part of the country that is being underserviced yes. for some reason, then we throw resources at it to try to and that's why fix for it. And that's why, for instance, okay, we knew years ago that there was a, the potential for an opiate crisis, okay, right. because the survey, okay, was seeing an uptick, okay, in various subpopulations using opiates in various ways, and then that also, you know, compare, you know, uh, 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 was connected to what hospitals, doctors, pharmaceutical companies were also beginning to report. In many ways, we should not have been caught off guard by the size, the scope of the opiate crisis, right? Because right. we had this information. But what was fascinating, at least to me, Nia, <laughs> okay, was when they find out that there is 73% of American adults live in households without landlines, that kind of sort of begs the question, who does still have or use landlines, right? So, Oh, it's funny that that's what your question was, because my questions had to do with, so what, what did they figure out about behaviors? So let's talk about both. So who, first of all, who owns landlines still? Okay. Um, um, homeowners are more likely to have landlines than renters. And the percentage difference is 34% to 15%. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Hispanic American. It's a permanent thing. A landline is a permanent thing. You can't pick it up and carry it with you. Yeah. That line goes with the house. When you move into a new house, you got to learn a new phone number. 
Um, in terms of of, of um, d demographics um, in, in regards to race and ethnicity, um, Hispanic Americans um, uh, are less likely to have landlines um, than their white or black friends, uh, twenty percent to thirty percent. So again, we're still not talking about majorities in any of these subpopulations, right? right? Uh, typically, um, only 2% of U.S. adults um, use landlines. 3% <laughs> rely on their landlines. But this statistic just blew my mind. There is actually 1% of American adults. Wait, 2% only have landlines. 3% mostly their landlines. But there is 1% of American adults that don't have any phones whatsoever. Freedom! Um, right? <laughs> okay. No landlines, no cell phones. Okay, nothing. That's interesting. Some of that may be homeless folks. Yes. But some yeah. of that is also housed folks that just choose not to have mm -hmm. a telephone. Mm -hmm. Good for them. I mean, if you want to go off the grid... Don't have that's a phone. That's the way to do it, right? Yeah. That's one I of mean, the ways to do it. I mean, that's the start of the process, right? Um, Does uh, age have anything to do with it? Uh, yes. Uh, the largest group of folks who still have landlines um, are um, Americans 65 years old and older. Um, and, and this is the only demographic where the number of households with landlines still outnumbers wireless households, all right? Oh, it was tooth and nail, painting tooth and nail, trying to get my parents to accept a cell phone. Oh, my mom still they refuses. Just, and my mom leaves it at home. We will go out <laughs> and I will say, well, just text me if I'm in the store and you think of something, just text me if there's something else you want me to pick up. And my mom's like, I left the phone at home. <laughs> I'm like, then why do you have a mobile phone? And my mom says, well, I mean, I just take, you know, check for texts at home. I'm like missing the point of mobile, but okay. Yeah. So my mom leaves her mobile phone immobile. And yeah. my stepdad never touched a cell phone. Yeah. My mom he and my grandma. Five no, my years old and he never used one. Yeah. My mother and my grandmother um, have never had a cell phone. Um, it just drives me nuts particularly as they get older. And they're, right. They're Take more, that in the car with you when you go to the grocery store in they, case anything happens. Yeah, and they are more prone to... Um, Falling. You know, yeah, life-altering uh, accidents. Yes. Um, so what was fascinating to you? See, what was fascinating to me was people who go cell phone only, right? People who cut the cord. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting that they have more risky behaviors, Yes. I think yeah. that's psychologically interesting that landlines tend to make you more conservative, little c conservative, not politically, yeah. but just little c conservative. Whereas people who own cell phones are more likely to binge drink, they're more likely to smoke, and they're more likely to go without health insurance. Yes. Part of that is age. But the researchers say that even when you control for age, age. sex, race, ethnicity, and income, that's still true. Yes. It's still true that they are more likely to engage in risky behaviors, which I thought was fascinating because I would have placed it just on age, right? That the older you get, the less risky behavior. But maybe there's something about 
the mobility of cell phones and sort of untying yourself from a a landed location. I don't know. It, it I thought that was really interesting. Well, yeah, the, the the psychology of this, right? I mean, do you think that because you have the cell phone and it gives you immediate directions to places where you want to go, or if you do get in trouble, you can, you know, immediate you don't have, assistance. Yeah, you don't, you don't have, have to, to rush go home, home to to make a to phone get call. Help. Right. You know, I could go just go ahead and call. You know whomever to get help. Right? Yeah, I know that people who watch crime dramas now don't understand um, crimes from the 70s and 80s when people had to run to a house to get help. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, but now, because now you would just pull out your cell phone and call the police yeah, from wherever yeah. you are and they would come to you. But it used to be that when you were being chased down and trying to be murdered, you had to find a place well, if you broke to, down to make a phone call, right? Like you, you had if, to. If you broke down in a rural area, I mean, and you and I both grew up in rural areas. If you broke down in a rural area, you had to you, wait for somebody to come by, or you had to walk two and a half, three right. miles. Okay. <laughs> okay. Out. Over poorly paved roads, if they were paved at all. Okay. Sometimes you had to go ahead and cross, you know, um, uh, livestock fields. And hope that you didn't wake up, you know, the bull or, you know, the horses or whatever, you know, to get to a farm. Or the tractors if you watch Toy Story. Yeah, right? Oh, no, uh, cars. 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 Okay, but just to get to a house, and then you would knock on a door and you would hope, okay. That they that would they wake up. up. One, two, actually answer the door. And three, not answer the door with a shotgun. Right. And that they would let you in and let you use the phone or call for you. You call for yeah, right. I don't yeah, I mean I, 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 I don't want to necessarily come into your house. How about you call the cops for me? For me, right? Okay. And you know, yeah. Uh, um, it turned yeah, into a whole it like, was a whole it was yeah, a whole thing. That, that's why chase scenes in in you know, murder movies in the seventies and eighties involve you running to a house to get help. Yes. And now they involve you trying to run and use your cell phone at the same time. Same time. So it's a different skill set. Yeah. Right. Um but I mean, but there I is do a, think it's interesting. There is a, there is a psychology there that right. is pretty fascinating. Uh, but they also have made certain kinds of uh, findings in regards to the regions. Well, before you go into regions, can we throw out one piece of detailed information that our younger listeners may need? What's that? Which is that old landlines are not the same as what people have now. Yes. Your grandma's landline is not the same as a landline you would get if you moved into a house and you were like, I'm going to be bold and strange and get a landline, right? Okay, you and the other 27% of people in the nation. Those landlines still don't work the same way the old landlines work. The new landlines almost all use the internet to make phone calls. They use um, VOIP, which is Voice Over Internet Protocol. Protocols. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. To send calls through your internet connection. Yeah. So that whole copper wire old school, they're not doing that anymore. The, yeah. That I assume got to be expensive maybe, or, or it's yeah, just I mean, not, it's just, but because also people want broadband in their house. And so a lot of institutions are saying, well, why would we put in two things when we could just put in one that well, does both? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this was demand, but it was also in regards to the cost of supply. 
if you're a phone company, at some point in time, if a larger percentage of your customers, okay, are using the internet, have cell phones, okay, at some point in time, continuing to invest into landlines and maintaining those particular lines, okay, when the future seems seem seemingly suggested that they were going to want to get their information and they're going to want to communicate with one another with other kinds of technology. Well, they just stopped maintaining landlines, right? Well, and copper wiring is expensive, I'm assuming, as oh. opposed to fiber optic cable. Well, yeah. Which I is mean, yeah. a lot less expensive and it's lighter. It's, it's easier to maintain. Pain, yes. Okay. It, 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 it's just easier for the companies to switch away from those things. Uh, now, that being said, um, it will be interesting to see what happens to our older rural folks as they pass and younger people move into those houses if they have new n- new fiber optics put into their homes, right? Because well, they're trying to do more of the new fiber optic. Well, it, not new, it, it, the fiber optic. It's not new. It's been around for quite a while. Quite a while. But Nia, where you went with this actually points to the geographics of, you know, uh, uh, where landlines are still popular or or more popular, right? Okay, so listeners, Nia just went ahead and explained that, you know, quote unquote, landlines are actually not the same landlines of, you know, your, you know, your, you know, your predecessors, uh, your, you know, previous generations, right? Um, And this actually is probably the explanation for why the Northeast has the highest percentage of uh, Americans with landlines than any other part of the country. And the explanation here is, um, so when you started having demand for home internet, okay, you had phone companies pitted against cable providers, right? I mean, and this was considered the triple play, right? And I still remember it was advertised this way, right? You wanted phone, broadband, and cable TV, right? Those, you know, that was the triple play, right? And I still remember people in houses, okay, that had all three. I was just like, wow, these folks are, you know, <laughs> they have all the things. They have all, you know, they got all, they got it all, right? Um. And cable companies like your Comcast, et cetera, were already behind phone companies, particularly the phone companies that made up Ma Bell. So for our younger listeners, okay, you don't recall that um, uh, in the 1970s and 80s, the United States federal government brought an antitrust lawsuit against Ma Bell because Ma Bell had the landline phone monopoly in the United States. And the U.S. federal courts agreed with the federal government and forced Ma Bell to break up into, I believe, six smaller firms. Seven. Seven, okay. One the of Bell which, system? Yeah, yeah, the Bell, yeah, right? And one of the you know, resulting firms was 
Verizon. Verizon. Oh yeah. Yes. Well, the the um the baby bells they were called. Yeah, they were called the, the baby seven bells. Seven were broken up into baby bells. So Bell started everything. Yeah. Bell, Bell the Bell system. Yes. Was all over the United States, I think. Yeah, it was. But it was heavily focused in the east because that's where the population was. Yeah, the large uh, and it was created in 1877. So the Bell system is ancient, right? Yeah. Like it's it's um, but I think I see your point. Okay, so where it was where it began and where it's been its strongest, it still exists. That makes sense. Yeah, because um, uh, as the article pointed out, okay. Many customers, particularly older customers, for phone service, cable TV, etc., are creatures of habit. And right. Verizon was smart. They went ahead and offered, okay, package deals. What so they call bundling. Yeah, they call bundling, right? Okay. So if you already had a landline and you wanted broadband and you still wanted your cable TV, right? Verizon basically said, you could have all three. We will bundle them together. You would pay one price. And eventually, the cheapest of the three in that bundle was the landline. Right. Right? So because, why why get rid of it? If it, yes. if it turns out to be a relatively negligible Cost. price. Okay. And, and you've already made the decision to have a cell phone and an internet. And and Verizon, and you they know, was, say, and for two dollars more, you can keep your landline. Why would you not? And Verizon was smart. Verizon would go ahead and share with its customers, okay, those emergency management experts who say, well, you know, during you know a hurricane, a power you know, outage, a, which is not unusual in the northeast, northeast, okay, with the cold weather and the ice, snow and the ice, and, the ice and yeah, yeah. I mean, the northeast, your landline will still work. Yeah, you know, the northeast does get all four seasons, right? Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two or three of which may lead to power, you know, incidents of power outages. So you know, hey, for a few extra dollars more a month. You have the security of a landline, right? Right, um, and that's makes who, sense. And that's who has Verizon FiOS broadband, a landline phone from Verizon, okay, and a cell phone, right? Can okay? you hear me now? <laughs> which is branding, which works, by the way. Yes, um, right. We we were discussing branding the other day. A friend of mine and I, and he was like. My entire childhood was branding, and everything has stayed with me mm -hmm. because advertising works. Yeah. Um, so um, what what's interesting to me is that uh, about that is places in the nation where that is not the case. Yeah, that don't have landlines. That that don't have landlines. A lot of um, rural. I would have thought it would have been mostly rural. I did too. But it's not. It's not. And in part, you can actually go ahead and thank the federal government and a number of key members of Congress, including some of which, okay, um, are from the fine state of Virginia, who have pushed for the federal government to incentivize local governments 
to create, okay, broadband service, okay, in rural areas. Now, right. I mean, they they did this in part because you you would have constituents in states with, you know, pockets of large rural areas who could never, okay, you know, participate in the internet economy, right? Who could never, you know, sh shift from landlines to cell phones without, you know, a commitment intervention. as your government intervention. Because if you're the private sector, okay, and it's you not know, worth it. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's to not. Run landlines out to the mountains in Idaho. That's not worth uh, it. Yeah, right. I'm not trying to be ugly to Idaho. I like Idaho. Give me some yeah. potatoes. But, okay, but nevertheless, okay. But it's not financially wise. Yeah, it's not wise to do that. But when okay. the government says we, we will, we will help pave the way, right? Wait, we will. The, yes, right. And and those people are like, sweet. Now that we have the internet, we don't need to worry about this landline thing. No, we don't, right? Okay, because again, okay, you know, usually with the internet also comes, okay, cell phones or cell phone towers, etc. I mean, you know, if you're already building one, you can go ahead and put in the other. Well, yeah. and you're switching. Yes. Because yes. whatever's been built is probably not the original telephone no company. Phone. That's right. Yes. One of the things that's that that. Verizon has the advantage of is that it's the original tell it's a mm. it's a derivative of the original telephone telephone company, but probably the the who's putting in your internet Comcast for instance is not an originally a Baby Bell, mm. so it, it's a purely internet company that added on phones, which is a whole separate issue. But so so if you're going to switch anyway, I mean part of what you've got with the northeast i would think is and i'm not trying to be ugly to people who live in the northeast because i know your mom and grandma live in the northeast but it's a little <laughs> bit laziness in the sense of if i don't have to switch companies and i don't have to give up why would i right that there's an effort there that and again it's not just about the northeast it's also the fact that there are customers okay you know, this is, you know, you talked about, you know, branding, but go one step further. Branding leads to brand loyalty. Right. Right. So if you had a Verizon landline, then you had Verizon cable. And those both generally worked fine. You were, you know, you know, generally satisfied with the cost. And then, you know, Verizon comes in and says, and you can get a cell phone with us. And you can bundle all three. Well, why go with a different company? If your basic experience has been generally good, okay, and they go ahead and point out, hey, keep your landline for a few extra dollars a month. Well, you're like, okay, right? Right. Okay. Right. You know, Especially I really if don't. it's a very small percentage of percentage the bill. bill and, and I don't really have to do anything, right? Right. That's okay. the key. I don't have to do anything. I mean, you know, think about, for instance, Nia, um, you, you and I have chatted about, chatted about this before uh, off recording. <laughs> you know, how many cell phones, actual physical phones, have you had in your lifetime? I think I may be an aberration because I've only had three. Ah, no, 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 no. Again, that this goes to the point that you were making. In my adult lifetime, 
I've only had four. Four, right? Yeah. In the first in the first two were given to me by my employer because I was frequently traveling for the government, right? And they wanted to be able to get a hold of me because I wasn't in the office near a landline, right? But in part, even though our cell phones get old, and this may be an older generation thing, they get old, okay? And, you know, the, the battery life, okay, you oh, know, it diminishes, it just diminishes, et cetera, et cetera. Just the thought of having to go to a cell phone store. Oh, and then you can't see me, listeners, but my eyes are rolling so hard that I'm practically unconscious. Her head is cocked, her shoulders oh, are slumped forward. It's all exhausting. You go in there and there's 7,000 models, and you can't tell the difference between one and another. And this one does this, but this one does that. And I'm like, which one does my laundry? If none of these do my laundry, then they are all the same to me. The other thing is, and and this is an age thing for sure, is I want to, you know what I use cell phone for mostly is to make phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is it. That is an age thing because younger young cell phone people don't, they would rather they, die than make a phone call. Phone call. Right. Okay. Um, but, okay. They, they will send you 500 texts in roughly the same <laughs> amount of time. That it would take to make one, phone, make one call. phone call and to cover all of the items in those 500 texts. <laughs> yep. Okay. With, without the typing. <laughs> okay. Yes. But, but, but they yeah. are so adept and so used. Okay. To, you know, and, and it's who they, it's who they are. It's who they are. But to but, bring us back. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. To bring but, us back to this, this sort of larger question of how is this going to affect? So I wanted to ask you, how does this affect politics going forward if only 27% of people own a landline? Does that mean that pollsters and campaigns have to find different ways to communicate with people? Is that is yeah, that the future? Is the future you can't rely in the same way because – and that's part of the difficulty that we have seen recently, uh, Nia, with political polling, is that because so many Americans are now, you know, don't have landlines and they have cell phones, right? And, you know, you know, they can see on their screen a number. And if they don't recognize the number, or in the case of my cell phone, it tells me potential spam. Well, I don't <laughs> click on Block. it. I, right. right? <laughs> okay. Or I get a text. My phone will go ahead and say potential junk or spam, right? right? And a lot of them are from political pollsters asking me to do a survey. This makes it more difficult to get that rant, you know, that random comma representative sample. Okay. Because the people who are answering those have feelings, big F. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> they, and, they have some things they want to say. say. And they may not necessarily be representative of your garden variety American who follows politics, but, you know, is maybe a moderate or leans towards one political party or one set of candidates, but could be persuaded otherwise. You know, many of them, okay, are looking at their phones and saying, oh, the heck with this. Right. And if they're busy, they're not going to be at their house waiting to answer the door to go ahead and do an in-person survey, right? right? So that really makes it difficult. Then you add into that, okay, an entire subpopulation of voters who don't trust 
pollsters, okay, of any sort. Or the telephone. Or the telephone, right? (laughs) They don't trust either one. (laughs) Look how difficult it is now for those who do political polling to get a truly random representative sample, right? And And you saw some of those problems in 2016 in 2020, and even uh, last year's midterm elections, right, where increasingly you're seeing pollsters, political pollsters, hedge their bets. You know, their confidence interval has gone from three to five to seven. And in some cases, I read polls where, you know, the plus minus was nine. And I was just like, well, what the good is this poll, right? Right. Okay. But poor Steve Kornacki with his wall. Yeah, right. I mean, but I mean, this is part of the difficulty. Okay. As Americans shift their phone usage. I mean, because one of the things I I, I even remember doing this, Nia, when I was doing surveys for government agencies. We would pull up a phone book and do, you know, just, you know, a, a random, you know, number generator of landlines. Um, side note for listeners who've never seen a phone book, <laughs> a phone book was a, a often large volume and it had every telephone number of every landline in your city. You had to opt out of it. So it was in there. If you didn't tell them, you didn't want it. Yeah. To be yeah, yeah. You actually had to take a special step not to have your phone number included in the phone book. Right. Phone books were delivered to every household. Every business, okay, every business, and they were also placed in phone booths. (laughs) So if you couldn't remember your uh, friend's number, okay, you could look it up. And I remember when it only cost a nickel, then it became a dime, and then it became a quarter, right? But nevertheless, okay, and these things were huge, okay? Oh, these were spider-killing Okay. Spider killing books. They were great as doorstops. And, right. it, and <laughs> for I don't, certain cities. Now, if your city was twelve hundred people, people, your phone book was a quarter inch, and you're done, right? And that's yeah, and, that's and the town was, I grew up in. And it was but in New York ki- City, it was better for killing flies. Okay, but in New York City, it was large enough to be a doorstop or a really effective weapon if somebody broke into your house. Yeah. yeah right? And and. After the new one came, you could put the under, other one under stuff, and it would raise it up. Oh, right. So the first there, computer I ever had sat on top of two phone books because there was no such thing as a shelf for you to put your computer on. Oh, yeah. That was and, also when computers weighed approximately seven thousand pounds. They were and were the what, phone booths three were, feet deep or whatever the, it was when the you phone had booths to were a huge table and they hung off and the back. Sturdy, okay. But that uh, was a phone book. Yeah, that but, was a phone. Yeah. We don't we don't have that. I mean, now there's no there's no listing of all the cell phone numbers. No. I don't know that I mean, I'm assuming that the cell phone companies could produce one if they had to, so like say for a a, oh, they a, a do. FOIA request or an FBI investigation or whatever. Well, they do it for the government. You know, the but, the, 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 the government goes ahead and submits But there's a, no master list where you can review, look things yeah. up now. You you could pay. There are yeah. pay services where you can do that. Yeah, yeah. But, but do you think that that will? Do you think that pollsters will change their polling I, styles? Well, they'll have to change their techniques. Unless techniques, they want to go. That's the word I want. 
I mean, unless they want to go out of business. I mean, I mean, you know, increasingly, how do you reach people? Right. I mean, politicians want internet surveys, I suppose, but that, that limits you to people who have the internet and have access to the internet and will answer things on On, on their access in the internet. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for some same of us, demographic problems, same demographic problems, right? I mean, the digital d- divide does ex- still exist in the United States, right? Yep. Okay. Um, or, um, you know, the difficulty also increasingly with internet uh, surveys and polling is that many of us uh, work at places to where websites may be prohibited. Oh, right. That's a that's a that that's a fair point. So if you're if your company is locked down from a variety of places, for instance, if there was a TikTok poll, no Virginia state employee could use their work computer, computer to fill to it out because it's prohibited. And Virginia is not the only one that is a it, that has such a ban. Well, and the internet using the internet to poll people is always a dangerous thing too because the internet is a um, when you're polling people either in person or over the telephone, they are, I suspect, more likely to be at least attempting to tell you the truth, truth. especially in person. Yeah, because, you know, there's you something see, you could see their facial expressions. Right. There's okay. a social aspect to that. They, they, but they, on they the Internet, a... man, whew, that that would be tough. Also, I mean, you know, and, and I have feel lots like... of identities on the <laughs> yeah, right. And I've and I filled out polls on the internet where to be, you know, truth be told, you know, I was also eating a meal, watching, you know, something on on the, the TV, etc. I really didn't focus all that much. Right. I, I filled out Half the survey. Focused. Yeah, I filled out the survey because I was hoping I was gonna win one of those Amazon Amazon gift cards. Right. Right. <laughs> right. That's the other thing is and that's a really good point for us to end on is incentive. Yes. So it used to be that when somebody would call and ask if they could poll you, first of all, if they could avoid your dinner time yes. and they could actually get the head of household onto the phone, a lot of times that person would answer the questions. I can yes. remember as a kid, my father answering political poll questions. Yeah, yeah. But now there's an expectation that you will pay me. Yes. To answer questions in some way, you will enter me into a lottery for a gift card or you will give me a gift card. We do that all the time at the library. We'll give you a five dollar Starbucks gift card if you'll fill out this survey. Right. And we it's to encourage participation. But. Only people who want a five dollar Starbucks like (laughs) that would never work on Augie. No. He doesn't drink Starbucks coffee. He's no. not interested in having a Starbucks gift card. No. He might fill it out and just say, keep your gift card. I'm just interested in filling out the survey, but he might not. Yeah. But, it, but there's it, a transactional nature that, to that. And then it kind of sort of begs the question, can you trust, okay, the veracity or quality of the responses? If it's because, transactional. If it's transactional, right? Yep. Okay. And, you know, and think about all the kinds of, uh, transactions that may underpin other kinds of relationships that call into question how healthy the relationship is, is if you're doing things because of transactional costs and benefits, right? right? Okay. 
uh, and, and that could lead us into other podcast episodes. But, you know, you, you raise a really good point here. And, and all of these thoughts came to mind, listeners, simply because we saw this article and it never dawned on us how important landlines were to a government agency to get accurate information in regards to Americans and their health. Okay. Exactly. And, and that's a perfect summary. And, and you know what that comes back to, people? The same thing everything comes, comes back, back to, to commerce. The commerce clause. <laughs> commerce clause of the Constitution. Because of monopoly Lee. that had to be broken up, up. That, that led to the creation of Verizon as a baby bell. Yes. That led to Verizon having having bundling. Yes. That kept landlines alive in north in the northeast part of the United States in large part when they are not as they're not as prevalent in other places. Yes. Because the commerce clause works. Yes. Or doesn't work. But it doesn't work. But again, this it this brings us back to the commerce clause. It brings us back to the fact that we have government agencies that need this information. This is all rooted in government authority, which, you know, you could plausibly make the argument, man, this is a little spooky that the government wants to go ahead and survey survey us about our health. On the other hand, if we ask the government to do more about collective and individual health, they need to know this information. Right. Okay. Right. If if you live in a toxic area of the country, they need to know it's toxic so they can clean it up. That's right. Right. Like okay. there's the, if you there is the United States government is a great big sweater. <laughs> yes. And when you pull a th- you're like, hey, what's this loose thread? And you start pulling on it, the whole thing unravels. Like it, yes. and it unravels from some spot that you probably can't even see to start with. Like you pull on the front right sleeve, and the back bottom ribbing <laughs> starts to come out, and you don't even know that that's what's happening. <laughs> that's how the, the the federal government it 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 takes a lot of different mechanisms. Yes. For people to figure out how they can then put in policy that will fix a thing. If we if we now know about black lung in West Virginia because we do health surveys, then we can put more resources into clean air in Virginia. Right. So that we can West Virginia so that we can help people with their black lung issues. issues. That's right. Okay. Okay. And if you know uh there are a bunch of people in another part of the country that are getting sick because of waterborne, okay, diseases. We got to okay. clean up the water. Yeah, we got to clean up the water, right? And it may not, may not necessarily mean that a local or state government is being negligent, okay, right. et cetera. And maybe that they don't know. But Exactly. Okay, knowledge, okay, you know, information is, you know, is important, right? Um, but we never figured this out, right? <laughs> I mean, it never dawned on me how important landlines were to at least to the to CDC, CDC right? <laughs> right? Okay, okay. It, it never dawned and on then me. to other agencies that have to deal with yes, right? The response to those What's things because if it's a power problem, that's energy. If it's a clean air, that's EPA, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. All these other agencies rely on this information to do their work. That's yes. yeah. I mean, and, know, and it's and, all interconnected. Good, yeah. So, thanks, Nia. 
this was thank uh, you, Augie. This was uh, interesting. Yeah, this was uh, an interesting discussion. Um, one that I would never thought we would actually have. But when I, you know, when I saw, you know, landlines, why are they important? I'm like, are they huh. so important? Are they important? <laughs> Turns out, uh -huh. yeah, they, uh -huh. <laughs> they are. All right. Thanks, Thanks Augie. Yep. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this